Welcome to the Hey Julia Woods podcast. I'm your host, Julia Woods, founder of Beautiful Outcome, a coaching company focused on helping couples learn to see and understand each other, even in the most difficult conversations. In today's episode, I will be interviewing a real-life couple who has worked through my online course called Marriage Thrive. They'll be sharing about the most difficult season in their marriage and how the tools they have gained could have helped them in that season. Okay. I am super excited today to talk to Laura Perry and just let you hear her story. It's been so exciting. I started coaching her and her husband in December, and we're now in June and hearing the stories of what is transforming in her life and in her marriage over the course of the last six months. You're going to get to hear from her and her husband here in a few weeks, but for now, we're going to just hear her story and I can't wait to get started. So Laura, thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Julia. It's it's truly an honor. Good. Okay. So if you can help the listeners just create some context, what happened that brought you to reach out in December and decide you wanted to start doing some marriage coaching? Yeah. So I knew I could, I knew there were things that were missing for me. And when I heard the term limiting belief, which I had heard a lot actually in other modalities, sort of, you know, emotional unwinding modalities, uh, I knew that there was something there for me. And I just resonated very deeply with a lot of the messaging that I heard coming from you. And, you know, obviously I'd heard some, some things from some other, you know, people in our social circle. And it was what I resonated with the most, I think was that it nothing, it wasn't that I needed something external to myself in order to grow and achieve what I wanted to achieve, whether it be in my own personal health or my marriage. Yeah. It's inside you. Right. It's right and there I, waiting for you. Maybe it's the control freak. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> that really resonated with me. And if, if peace was just, you know, if peace was something that was tangible and in my, you know, control, that is something that I wanted to pursue. And I wanted to understand why I didn't have it. Yeah. So that's powerful. So tell me, like, how did you know you didn't have peace? What did you have instead? Well, chronic illness from the time that I was a child. Um, and I even have a you know a business, and it's a holistic health business. And I, you know, teach people how to uncover their symptoms and what this means in in terms of from a physical perspective. And I had really been drawn to this idea that of nervous system dysregulation and you know, your nervous system being needs to be in a parasympathetic state. And I knew that, but I could not get there. Mm. And I didn't know how to get there. And I, so there was something that drew me to what you were saying, and I don't know specifically what it was, but, you know, I really have had chronic illness. Um, and I really just started to believe after emptying my pockets multiple times, over the years and going down every like a rabbit hole imaginable. Like it wasn't a, 
pr- will problem, right? Like I, I had the will mm-hmm. and, um, I was certainly surrendering to the next fix. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, and then obviously there was some stuff going on with Tom and I, and you said something that really resonated and you've said it multiple times, but how we do anything is how we do everything. And I really think so many of the things that I've experienced in my life were a result of these belief systems that were keeping me from believing in my healing, mm-hmm. my body's like ability to heal itself. Okay, good. And yeah. But- did, were you going to say anything else at that moment? No. Okay, no, good. good. <laughs> um, would you be open to sharing the physical, any physical symptoms you had? You don't have to, but would yeah. you be open to helping add context for the listeners? Yes. So, I mean, lots of things in childhood and memory problems. Um, I would say definitely ADHD or ADD, however you want to call it. Um, sinus problems and in our, you know, we had a severe mold exposure as a family, you know, we had it tested and all of that. And it really set me back, um, pretty significantly. And, um, I had periods of actually feeling good in the home, which was also interesting. But then I had periods where I was under severe stress that I was having what almost felt like mental breakdown episodes. Like I've, I've had bowel problems. I've had, I mean, honestly, I've had my hair fall out. I've had so many things. I mean, brain fog, crippling fatigue. Um, and then, you know, I would say since, you know, working with you, the things that I was struggling the, the most with were, um, I mean, probably a lot of those things that I just mentioned to you, honestly, that have started to resolve since working with you. And, 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 and I, I, I would, you know, you may be going there, but I, I think I'll kind of tell you why I think that might be if you want yeah, me to. Yeah, let, let's jump into that. Like, yeah. so you were having all these symptoms, you've been spent thousands of dollars and countless hours trying to find resolution and you weren't finding the resolution you want and you didn't have peace because all these symptoms were, you were trying to solve all these symptoms. 100%. And what I found that I have this deeply rooted belief system that I have to suffer in order to get something. Okay. And it was through what you have coached us in, you know, these practical ways of analyzing our thoughts, if we can get curious with about them, that was permeating my like every existence. And it really hit me that I actually believe I have to suffer in order to get well. And that, oh my gosh, I've been creating my own suffering because I, and overlooked some of the most simple tools available to me, because I don't think it's all mental. There is still some physical healing that needs to happen, but I was closed off to those things because Mm -hmm. they seemed too easy. Yeah. Wow. So I couldn't even let the right things in because I was so closed off mentally because of this belief system that I have to suffer in order to get something good. No pain, no gain. You know, all the things that, you know, I just was conditioned to believe and didn't even realize that I was believing them. And then I realized I'm literally manifesting my own illness here. I'm manifesting the suffering and I'm stuck in this hamster hamster wheel and unable to get off because i believe that it's too hard. Wow. 
So no pain, no gain. I think that is a belief that many people would say they have. So let's talk about, do you remember where you picked this belief up? Do you remember your earliest memory of it? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's definitely from childhood. Um, You know, childhood in my home, childhood society, it's the harder, you know, blood, sweat, and tears produces X. It's almost like yeah. they like burned it into your brain as a formula. Yeah. Of if it's not, the, nothing worth having is easy to get. I mean, I, these are all things I'm like hearing regurgitated, you know, from my childhood. And so again, I think these are just things that everybody thinks are just right. Like the right way. True? Oh, right. Absolute truth. This is the absolute truth or this is the right way of being. Until you take that one minute to ask yourself, is this true? Is this always true? Yeah. Or, or there might there be another way of living or another possibility where I, this isn't the case. All right, let's break this down. So just for context for you listeners, what Laura is talking about is that what we believe produces what we think, which produces what we feel, which produces what we do. So here she is doing all of this work to heal these. She's got these symptoms showing up in her body. She's doing this work to try and heal them, but it's actually creating more symptoms in a lot of ways. It's not helping the symptoms. And she's just continuing her suffering. It's taking away more of her peace, which is causing more stress in her body, which is causing more symptoms. So a lot of the work that I do is helping people uncover these limiting beliefs because, um, you know, whatever's going on in our life is trying to communicate something to us. And usually if it's something negative that's happening in our life, it's connected to a limiting belief. And so... Laura, help me help the listeners understand how did you come to knowing you believe this? I mean, when, like, obviously, most people believe no pain, no gain, but how did you connect the dots that, whoa, this belief is connected to the physical suffering I'm feeling? Yeah. So it's interesting that you asked that because my husband and I each have our own business. And there was someone that I felt sort of like divinely came into our life and has been a huge help to us. And I was on the precipice of trying to decide, do I want to bring more help into my life? And I, I, I have just from working with you started to notice where I'm feeling like resistance or something that I just can't fully accept. And I don't really know how to describe it other than that, but I don't have peace about it. I think that's really just what it boils down to is that I know there's a peace that's available to me when I understand the truth and what I'm feeling about the situation. And I just wasn't there and I couldn't figure out why. And then I started thinking, I started going back to what, where did I learn this and what, or what, what am I believing and where did I learn this? And I realized that I, inherently believe that if I'm not breaking my back every second of the day, which would happen in the absence of the help of this person, then I would be somehow a failure. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized when I asked myself, is that true? The answer was no. And I started to reflect on where I might have learned this and what the true belief actually was. And it was that, you know, I have to suffer 
in order to get something and that suffering is a good thing. And I, you know, I started really, really reflecting on that and realizing like where that, that whole ideology was permeating my, like my every existence, my business, my, I couldn't get out of the way. I was making myself a complete hang up to so many processes and so many things that weren't the the needle wasn't moving on because I had to be so self-important and in, involved in this because if if I was involved and stressed out then I was suffering and then that was good right like it's yeah. all got to be so hard and stressful yeah and so you know once I was able to realize this I just was able to have some really candid conversations especially with people that um you know I employ and <laughs> Just say, where am I in the way? Like, where can I get out of the way and let you, you know, run with things? Because this person basically said to me, you're, you're, I can't get in touch with you. This is so difficult. And, you know, I kept saying, well, it's because I'm home with my kids, which sure, that is challenging to some degree, but (laughs) that wasn't the reason. The reason was because I didn't let her do her job. Mm. I felt like I needed to micromanage her because if I was micromanaging her, then then I was, you know, it was one more thing on my plate and then I was suffering more. And, you know, I'm not inherently a micromanager, but I think I wanted to be important to this because if I was important, then I was suffering. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, it was just wild. I mean, and then all these things started getting done in a crazy time span that I just thought would never happen. And the, you know, here we are with, these wild new possibilities. And so, yeah. And then uh, again, a lot of my symptoms just really started to just, I just started to to dissolve. I mean, I, I just was able to, I was able to start trusting myself more also. I think that's a big component of it. The, and again, yeah. Let's pause for one minute and we'll get to that. Okay. So this person that was helping you, she was mostly helping you with the business or helping you with the home or business. Well, oh, well, so like I have an employee, but the other person would have been mostly helping me with my home. Yeah. Okay. So there was a person helping you with the business and a person helping you with your home, but you were really resisting their help. They, you had already, they were already available waiting for you. Yes. Um, and I remember on many coaching calls, you would, you and Tom would both mention, we're just so busy. There's just so much to do. And I'm <laughs> like, are there any possibilities? Is there anyone right. available to help you? And you would be like, no, not really. <laughs> right, right, right. And so you began to recognize these people were sitting right there waiting yes. for you. And you 100%. started getting, asking for feedback. Can you help me understand? Like, how am I in my own way? Yeah. And they explained that. You're just hard to get a hold of and hard to figure out what it is that you actually want, which yes. then brought you to uncover that underneath you make it difficult. You were making it difficult. Absolutely. All because, well, I, and there was a lot in what you said. There was the self-significance, how mm-hmm. we like to make ourselves look important. So yes. the more we have on our to-do list, the more important we become. And it also feeds that story of no pain, no gain. Like I've got to be working super, super hard in order to make my business succeed, in order to be a good mom, in order to make my marriage work. Is that all? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I think when I really started 
analyzing it even further for my employee specifically, I I had this feeling that she was going to think I was, I mean, that she was going to resent me because she didn't feel like I was involved enough and that ah. she's building my business. So there were a lot of stories in my head living, unfortunately, rent free <laughs> about the situation that were really holding me back. Yes. We have so many stories. We have so many limiting beliefs. We have no idea. And I was a person, I am a person who's um, highly optimistic is one of my, (laughs) can be a pitfall, Um, but it is one of my preferences in life to be highly optimistic. So I had no idea. It was hard for me to start really understanding or, or being willing to be honest or admit to myself the limiting beliefs I actually have and how much like scientists, it doesn't matter whether you're highly optimistic or pessimistic. It's pretty similar. Most people, 80% of their thoughts are negative. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And we have no idea how many limiting beliefs and thoughts we actually have every day of our lives. Uh, It's true. And I, I, I can't imagine continuing to live that out without these tools. I mean, truly life-changing for me. And you know, it took some time. It took, you know, I think five months before I, I truly, you know, was able to <laughs> get out of defense mode um, <laughs> and really start adopting a lot of the tools and putting them into place or practice really. But it, it, I use them all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not like once you have the tools, then your negative thoughts stop. No, or that you think less negative thoughts. It's that you recognize them quicker and you interrupt them quicker and yes. choose to choose an unlimited belief because we're either believing limited beliefs or unlimiting beliefs. And sometimes they're pretty close. They're just a little bit, you know, different from each other, but they make the world a difference. They really do. And what I realized, and you've talked about this with having a vision too, is that um, I I was so stuck in these negative thought patterns and these negative loops about myself. And it was a lot of self-hatred and a lot of self-judgment. And I really had to get to a place of acceptance with that before I could move to the other end of the spectrum and really root myself into that new vision. But the new vision was critical. I just couldn't get there because I was so stuck in the shame and the judgment of myself mm-hmm. that yeah. it wouldn't, I couldn't even see, I couldn't see the new possibility. It was yeah. just a constant and, and it really ca- caused me over my lifetime to degrade my self-trust. And I I think that was another big part of my healing journey has just been reestablishing my own self-trust. Okay, good. Let's talk about how you did that. Before Mm -hmm. we jump to that, I want to hear what have you recognized is more true than, because the work that we do, the work that I do with you and with my clients is once we get a hold of the limiting belief, we recognize, oh, wait, there's limits for me in the belief, no pain, no gain. And so then that's 80% of the work. The other 20% is, is recognizing or choosing what is more true 
than that limiting belief and then choosing to start believing that. So what did you discover is more true than no pain, no gain? That I don't think we were designed to experience constant suffering that that actually what is more true is that we were designed to experience joy and to lean into that and maybe that's what life is about yeah and not this i you know and it i think i've shied away from things that bring me joy out of that you know we've talked about this before with just yes. my marriage you know and you know, I've shied away from a lot of joyous moments in my life and things that could usher in a lot of happiness and relief because I thought it had to be hard. I thought I needed to suffer. I thought that there was nothing more important than being responsible and a, you know, a steward. And, and, and again, that's a false narrative. It's not, that's not the only thing there is to life there. And I, when I really, really started to think about is this how I believed we were designed? Do I think that like all I'm ever supposed to experience is hard thing or hard things and suffering? I just actually, it's, it's kind of silly when you say it to yourself and you have these moments of like, oh my gosh, I've been believing this for so long. I can't believe that. And that the second, it's almost like a light bulb comes on, at least for me. And then when it happens again, I can go back to it. I can anchor in yeah. to that feeling. and then you know, there, then I, you know, I know we're not here to talk about the marriage, but I realized like there was still some resistance. And I think I was still putting that belief on him, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it just, like you said, it never stops. It's how we do anything is how we do everything. And it's wild that, you know, marriage counseling is how I'm like healing a lifetime of chronic illness, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, and because, you know, one of the things that people are often surprised by when they coach, when they do couples coaching with me, is that I'm really coaching each spouse. I just happen to be coaching each of you individually on the same call. And when I can do it that way, it's powerful because when I'm coaching Tom, your husband, you're gaining so much because we can see in other people what we can't often see in ourselves. And vice versa, when I'm coaching you, he's gaining so much. But ultimately, I'm working with each of you individually because whatever's whatever tension is in the marriage is really your part of it is where your freedom is. And so totally. it really is individual coaching within couples coaching. Um, before we go on, I just want to highlight one of the things you were talking about that I think is so powerful is that. You know, the truth is, is that diamonds are formed in pressure. Diamonds are formed in tension. And, and you know, if we want to grow, we need tension. If we want to grow, we need, sometimes it, it takes suffering, right? If you go to the gym and there's no, dis, although it's shocking, right, right. I'm learning Pilates, there's like not, no suffering at all. And I'm like, dang, this, is, <laughs> this works good. Right? We don't have to suffer. But um, here's the thing is I think that by nature, What's more true is that no resistance, no gain. However, well, which that doesn't make sense because about what I'm going to say, but in essence, no tension, no gain. Right, right. Because the tension is really what produces the growth, but we're either resisting the tension or we're surrendering, surrendering to the tension. So when we resist tension, that's when it gets really painful. It's like if you've ever been in child labor and you resist the contraction, yeah, it's excruciating. But it if is. you surrender and let let yourself 
let your body work with the tension. It's, I had two childbirths with, uh, no, not knowing how to surrender and it was excruciating. And then I had two childbirths knowing how to surrender to let my body do what it did. And it was, there was no pain. Yeah. And that's really what I hear you talking about is you, that you're learning that belief, what you made up suffering needs to look like for you, mm-hmm. created a lot of resistance to you, to the actual growth that was wanting to invite you, like learning how to collaborate with another person, learning how to help them gain autonomy and come alongside of you and stand in your vision with you. Yes. That's the power of what growth can look like. But if you think it's supposed to be hard, then you wind up starting to micromanage them. Yes, absolutely. I was resisting the very thing that I need to actually grow my business and yeah. to succeed in my health. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, what What if capacity is the thing that I need for my business, but I'm resisting it because of this belief system? And yeah. yes, capacity is what I need, but because of this belief system, I'm holding on to all the things around me. I'm supposed to do everything. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I could not agree with you more with the whole staying in the tension peace. And it's not always comfortable to say to yourself, you know, it's, so it's all, it's generally easier to just stay comfortable. That's, you know, one of the benefits, right. Mm-hmm. That we get from not having that internal dialogue with ourselves. But I also know that no growth, there's no growth that's going to happen. Yeah. There. Yeah. And it's interesting to think that suffering is comfortable to us. But I can tell you in my own childhood, it's what I grew up with. I grew up with suffering. My parents were always on a diet. My parents were always in conflict. My siblings, you know, we were always doing housework. Like life was about hard work and suffering. And I resonate a lot with your story because I had no idea how addicted I was to suffering. Oh, 100% addicted to my suffering you know, and I knew there was a way out. I just couldn't find it. And there was something deep in me that knew there was a way out of this, but I was trying to will myself out of it. And one thing that you said to me, I felt like, I feel like for as long as I've been on this self-help journey, I've been like wrestling my ego to the ground and it's been horrible. And it's like, (laughs) it's, I feel like it just makes you more resentful because you said this to us in our intro call, which was that's behavior modification. Trying to will yourself into something is behavior modification. You don't know what you're actually believing and the, or you didn't say it like that, but when you find out what you, you know, actually believe that's when the transformation happens. And it's literally the exact thing that we've experienced. And it's been so relieving to me because in the past, it really was just a battle of the will, like just tame the ego, accept yourself. Like, and I just had no idea in, in those micro moments that I was believing. I I mean, it just, I wasn't, I I didn't know what I was believing. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. Everything in our life that's creating every chaos in our life is just connected to a limiting belief. Right. But most of the time, uh, you know, like all of my clients, I had no idea I had limiting beliefs and I had no idea how to locate them and I had no idea how to rewrite them and then start believing them. And then it was shocking because once you change a belief, 
your thoughts automatically change, your feelings automatically change, and your actions automatically change without you even trying. And it is like, it is miraculous. I mean, I don't think there's any other word that you can use to describe it. Like the instantaneous shift in sometimes when you truly can get to the root of it, which isn't always every time, you know, I mean, it's a process, it's a journey, but when it happens, it is, I mean, there are things that I've been, you know, and we're going to talk about this feeling, you know, in my life and my marriage for 10 years that I've flipped and same with my health for 10 years, 10 years now is when I would say I got really tipped into the chronically ill, bad, chronically ill bucket from something. But, you know, I'm just relieved to be experiencing something so different. And I may not be completely, you know, I mean, but I don't look at it anymore. I used to think that I I wasn't living if I wasn't healed, you know, Mm. but I uh, will ask myself, is that true? Mm -hmm. Is that true? And that's not true. I am living. Yeah. You're alive. (laughs) I know, (laughs) you know, and it's like, we all just have this idea of like how it's supposed to look. And it's like, it really, I guess, just brings us back to the present moment of what's actually true. And when you can anchor in that, you just, you, I feel like you emit gratitude. Oh my goodness. Yes. Being present in the moment and recognizing, um, there, there's so much in what you're saying. I'm trying to think about how to break it down. But ultimately, we're when we're we're either living in our stories or we're living in reality. And the only way we can be present is when we're living in reality. Right. And but if we have no idea what our stories are, if we have no idea what limiting beliefs are, we don't even realize we're in our stories. And right. we're in our stories a lot. Yeah. So I want to hear how did talk about the trust piece, talk about how you began to build trust with yourself and what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think through a lot of our conversations, we identified that there was, I just, I had a lot of self-hatred and a lot of shame for myself. And there was constant, this like idea that I should be doing things a certain way. And that I should be this and I should be that. And really from you asking me a lot, is this true? And is that absolute truth? When I was able to start applying that to myself, I, there were things that I just really didn't like about myself, but only because that's what I was kind of taught to believe not to like about myself. Like what? Like maybe being disorganized. Mm. or I wouldn't say disorganized, but forgetful. Right. And it's something I've fought my whole life. Those two things sort of. So if you forget something or something looks unorganized, then you're you're, what you're wrong. You're bad. You're chaotic. Okay. Good. And, and so I have literally resisted that and fought that my entire life. And I have struggled with it for as long as I could have been alive. Mm-hmm. And I had to, to kind of have this moment of like, so what if I am? It doesn't mean I'm wrong. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm bad. Yeah. It also doesn't mean that I can't be successful. I'm right? sure there are some disorganized people out there that have done some amazing things. 
And when I really, you know, I just, I, I kept feeling like there, you know, I realized I was just trying to live to be this person that everybody else wanted. And when I just let the things that ha- were happening, it, it again, when I say this feels like, it's not like I haven't tried to work on it. This is something that I've actively tried to work on for most of my life. And, and, and even with this now, I'm still trying to dissect like, <laughs> Where am I making it more chaotic, you know, and I'm and I'm learning that it can be an and like we talked about, you know, but in terms of like accepting myself and not judging myself, I realize like most of the time I'm attaching a, a meaning to something that that doesn't need to be there, Yeah, you know, that. So let's break this down for the yeah. listeners. So let's think about it. So you decided as a person, you are forgetful. Yep. And if you're forgetful, it means you're bad and, you know, not a, it, in I your mind. I be successful. I'm never going to get anywhere. All those things. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so then you began to discover that you so let me keep going on that so if you forget something the moment you forget something the way our belief system works mm-hmm. is you believe okay if i for i'm forgetful and that's bad that's shameful so then your brain's like oh okay so let me keep making you write about what you believe yes so it'll literally set things up in a way that the moment you forget something it reinforces see you're forgetful it's shameful you're yes. shameful. Yes. And so this is how the belief system does. And so literally, the moment I believe something's true about myself, all I'm seeing in life is how that thing I've decided is true about myself is true. Right. Okay. So what did you discover was more true than being forgetful is shameful? <laughs> that it it may be part of just like who I am. And I, this just may be one of my intricacies, like weird intricacies. And I, and, and, and that fighting it doesn't help. It actually makes it so much worse and resisting it, yeah. you know, yeah, resisting it causes it to persist even more. And when I could just give myself grace, you know, I mean, Again, it, I've gotten so much better over the years, but in times of overwhelm, it's like the first thing to go for me. I yeah. just, it, I, I, you know, um, it, it, my, it's the first thing. And so when I can more actively stop living through what I think, like I'm, I'm becoming who I think people think I am. Yes. Versus yes. what I think I am. I'm not forming my own internal view of myself. I'm just letting the world around me decide who I am. Yeah. Well, if you let's go back to that, because if you think about forgetting something, right? Yeah. If you think about the way the human brain works as humans, we actually don't really forget anything. Right. It's just what our brain is bringing to the forefront of our mind because of what we think is important and what we've helped train our brain is important. So if I forget something that's important, it's based on the way my wiring is set up, which 
I have the power to rewire what's set yeah. up in there. Yes. Um, but you know, if I was hypnotized or if, you know, and give me another two weeks or something and that, that will probably come forward into my memory where I will remember that thing that yeah. I told myself I forgot. Yes. So we don't really forget things. Right. Nobody does. You don't, I don't. It's just that it's moves out of the consciousness of our mind. Yes. And if I 100%. really want to remember it, you know, if I really begin to accept myself and accept that as humans, we can forget important things and that doesn't always create great experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So how can I learn about myself? How can I learn what I need and want in order to remember what I want to remember without making me shameful that I will forget. So if I don't write things down as a human for myself, right. I've learned if I don't write things down, it will typically slip the consciousness of my brain and I won't actually actively move it forward like I want to. Yes. I don't think it's shame. I have moved past thinking it's shameful that I need to write things down and accepted like, oh, that's really cool. The way my brain works, I just sure. need to write things down. Right. And so that's the power of shifting the belief that if we believe it's shameful, Right. Then all of a sudden, the moment we forget something that we feel that shame, we start attacking ourselves, criticizing ourselves, loathing ourselves. So then my brain's like, oh, we're supposed to keep forgetting more stuff. And that's actually exactly what happens to me is that so much of it has been from a shame cycle of being stuck in severe fight or flight. Yeah. And I have been in severe fight or flight for most of my life and I've been unconscious of it. And, you know, there have been some experiences recently where that happened again. And I really like, you know, felt a lot of shame and judgment. And then what's the first thing that happens? I start forgetting like 15 different things. Like I'm not prepared. And right. it, it it's like this survival system that's so unhelpful and not beneficial. Just it literally like kicks on like a, like you start in an engine for me. Yeah. Well, like takes us to, you know, it takes us to trying to fix something that isn't fixable. One, it's not broken. Two, I can't break, fix something that's not broken. Right. Shame accuses us of being bad for our humanness. Right. And the moment I do that, I go into fight or flight. And the purpose of flight or fight is the body is trying to shut down everything it can shut down, including our memory. So that it can focus on resolving whatever it thinks it's supposed to fix, which is the fact that we're human and it can never fix that. So it creates a craziness cycle. Totally. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it, it, and I see it and I, again, I'm not, I'm human and not perfect. And <laughs> the tools are, you know, sometimes more effective for me when I use them properly and, you know, if it's a really deep, deep wound, sometimes it just takes a little longer to get back to that truth. And I have to write it out a bunch or, you know, to shut that cycle off. Yeah. Yeah. You're right in that. I believe that you've said this a million times, we create the reality that we want. Mm -hmm. And I am just in my mind prioritizing. It's like a survival system that I just will prioritize whatever I think is important. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So powerful. So you've stopped shaming yourself and accepted Mm -hmm. the humanness of forgetting. And what's happening now when you forget something? So honestly, I 
can move through it and kind of get curious about why I, you know, why that thing slipped my mind and where, again, where might I be inflicting my own suffering? Because I do think it's connected to that too. I think that Mm -hmm. it's really connected to it where I don't want to ask for help for things. I don't want to delegate tasks. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to take it all on. Yeah. Because I think I should be able to. Yeah. And if I can take it all on, then it's, you know, as the mother or whoever, whatever it is that I'm going to be able to accomplish it all. And so, you know, I think when I'm able to sit back and get curious about it, I can realize and reflect that there are, I'm, I'm probably the source of my overwhelm here. Yeah. You know, and that the help that I've been resisting for the suffering could probably help me forget less things too, you know, you know, and we have a unique situation where he is in the car three hours a day and up at a really early time in the morning. And it's just, you know, but I don't, I don't shame myself the way that I used to. Yeah. I used to take on lots of old feelings about that. And I just don't, I don't, I just move through it as being a human and say yeah. that what's more true is that I'm honestly just doing the best that I can. Exactly. Yeah. In and that what moment. is it that I need in this moment? What would I need next time to remember this? Or I love what Jordan Peterson says, which is a lot of what you're saying in essence. He says, anytime we feel overwhelmed, it's usually connected to self-flattery. 100%. So where I feel overwhelmed is where I've taken on all these things I tell myself I'm supposed to take on. And then I start dropping plates, you know, forgetting things, not being able to get it all done. And I'm overwhelmed. Well, it was my own self-flattery that needed to take on and not ask people to help me with what I needed help with and delegate and all those things. Totally. And I think there, you know, when I sometimes I think about why don't I allow myself to want these things? Yeah. Why am I so disconnected from what I need and want? Like, where have I buried that for so long? Obviously to feed these stories, but it's wild to me how there's such a disconnection between what I want and need and what I'm doing up until now. (laughs) Right. Up until now. Yeah. And you know, it's so clear that there can be so much offered in so many of these situations, but I've just come up with so many reasons to feed this belief system of, I guess, needing to be right at its core about this idea that you have to suffer to get things. Because I guess if I'm not right about that, then I'm going to fail mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm not sure, but I, I think yeah. it's kind of along that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful to do the work, discover what's more true. And then notice like this, the, you begin to notice like internally, oh, when I'm believing no pain, no gain, I start feeling this stress here in my body. I start getting this physical symptom of this pain and you start to notice what's happening in your body when you believe that. So that the moment you start noticing it, you can shift and say, no, that's not true. doesn't mean pain, no pain, no gain. It means how am I giving myself to the tension of what wants to grow me? What is the growth that's wanted? 
And where am I getting in my own way? Where am I resisting the actual growth that's inviting me by making myself suffer more? Absolutely. And one of the things, you know, this, it just, it opened me up to so many possibilities and it seems weird with what I'm about to say, but this ability to trust myself and like my own internal dial and, and, and let go of this idea that, you know, I had to suffer in this way that I thought I had to suffer, especially with health. It, I became so much more trusting of the sensations in my body and the information I was coming across. And, you know, in the influencer world, there are a lot of opinions and they demonize a lot of things. And I was very interested in trying one of the things that everyone was demonizing and it was fasting. And I I just intuitively, I didn't even research. I didn't go down any rabbit holes. I was like, I'm just going to kind of wing this and see what happens. And it has done wonders for me. But the interesting thing is I also caught myself trying to self-sabotage so many times to find a reason why this was hurting me or to find a reason. And it was wild. I mean, it was wild to be on the outside experiencing that because I had to like rein myself back in, rein myself back in (laughs) every time. And it's, it has done more for my, like my health and what I was exposed to, you know, with mold and whatnot than any single supplement that I've taken. And it's changing my life. And I would never have been open to that Mm-hmm. because I would have been uh, afraid. And in in some way, you know, people would say, well, doesn't it feel like you're suffering if you're fasting? I mean, it because I trust myself and knew that this was coming to me for a reason, I, I, I can't explain it, but it's just been a, such a rewarding process. And I've been doing it for three months now. And it, you know, I would never have been able to I would have just taken what other people said as mm-hmm. true. Truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus actually all these people demonizing it versus actually saying to myself, is there some truth to this? Like, could this mm-hmm. be working for, could this work for me? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And so yeah. it's, it's not only been this, like that I was creating a lot of my symptoms. I, I was blocking so many heal things that could actually heal me that were pretty basic, like getting out in the sun. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times I've been told to like get a sun in my eyeballs? And I would not, I would not prioritize going outside because I just believed it was hocus pocus, even though like I have a holistic health company, yeah. <laughs> just, it was too easy. I didn't have to suffer enough. <laughs> yes. There, there was no pain in it. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Well, as we, um, just to kind of bring closure to this, what would you say is the biggest freedom or the biggest healing of a symptom that you've currently experienced thus far? Um, I think a big one is the chronic fatigue because these stories were actually taking up so much energy. I feel like I'm going towards my vision versus being stalled. I felt like previously I was on the gas and the brake pedal at the same time, and it would just drain me of energy Mm -hmm. because I wanted and had the desire to heal, but the beliefs were opposing that desire and it would drain me of my energy. And so I don't have fatigue anymore. I am exercising and playing tennis and, you know, just mentally feeling so much more clear, but it it's really, I believe the mental shift of the work we've done with you that has 
really helped my, you know, that, that fatigue specifically. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, all thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to do the work. You're the one that's I doing know. it. So, uh, well, thank you so much for opening up and sharing some of your journey. I am so excited for what's ahead for you. The light bulbs are going off for you in such exciting ways that I know, um, I know what's coming is even more wow. amazing because, you know, when it's when we start really getting a hold of how this happens every single day and just the opportunity to do the mindset work as often as we're willing, it's really a, quite an unlimited future that's available. Well, I am just thankful from the bottom of my heart. I feel like I've gotten my life back because of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry to the listeners. <laughs> You're making me cry. No. <laughs> but I really mean it. And I'm just, we're forever, forever grateful. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. And um, can't wait to connect again soon. Thanks, Julia. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.